to Women's Health, Wisdom, and Wine, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info at To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larenawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, remember to follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and tap on the bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Let us know what is your favorite topic, who has been your favorite guest, and who would you like to hear from on the next pod. Most importantly, share the podcast and your favorite episode with a friend or colleague. Lastly, remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. Coming up, I talk with Chalisa Colby about the five principles of Reiki healing, common myths and misconceptions, and the potential benefits of Reiki therapy. We'll join the conversation after a brief word from our partner. Maintaining your strength and a healthy heart as you age helps promote healthy living and hence quality of life for all people as they age. To help prevent the natural decline of muscle and heart function, it's important to make sure you're getting the nutrition your body needs, and not just any nutrition, but science-backed nutrition, like Life by the AminoCo. You can take AminoCo's Life formula as part of your normal routine to help maintain muscle mass as you age, maintain good heart health, and increase longevity as you age. AminoCo's Life is a patented blend of essential amino acids that works to improve quality of life and lengthen total lifespan so you can stay healthy and active as you age. Life has been shown in clinical trials to clinically improve blood lipid profiles by significantly reducing triglycerides, LDL, VLDL, and total cholesterol. This product has also improved physical function in patients with heart failure, and they had the science to back it up. Life is 100% science-backed, and it is designed for heart health and active aging, which are crucial for total lifespan. So why Aminoco? Life works by triggering muscle protein synthesis, which is the body's mechanism for repairing and building muscle. When tested against any protein source, Life is more than three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis at stimulating muscle growth and repair. I know just how important it is for my quality of life and staying healthy as I age. You can check out their science by visiting aminoco.com backslash LW30. I've been on the lookout for something that could help me support healthy blood flow and help preserve heart strength and function while also helping me maintain healthy triglyceride and LDL cholesterol levels. Furthermore, something that tastes great and is easy to incorporate into my daily routine. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and well-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Robert Wolf. If you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to maintaining muscle mass and cardiovascular health as you age, I recommend you give life a try. And right now, you can get 30% off when you visit AminoCo.com 
backslash LW30. That's the letters L, W, and the numbers 30. Again, right now you can get 30% off LW30 when you visit aminoco.com backslash LW30. That's the letters L, W, and the numbers 30. I be myself is pretty knowledgeable about healing modalities as a whole. However, as our firm has grown, I am constantly reminded that the rest of the conventional medicine industry isn't as receptive to or as knowledgeable of different modalities that do not fit neatly into their exclusive box. With that said, today we're talking about Reiki healing with Trelisa Colby, also known as Oriyomi Ekadayo Asundare in the spiritual community about Reiki therapy. Trelisa, please introduce yourself and tell us about your professional and your personal journey with Reiki healing. Hi, thank you, Dr. White. Um, I'm excited to be here today. Um, as Dr. White said, my name is Trelisa Colby, um, known as Oriomi in the spiritual community. And I discovered or found out about Reiki in about 2000, 2017, so it's been five years now. Um, just a little background about me. Um, I am a prevention and wellness educator. I've been a health and wellness educator for just about all of my career since I graduated undergrad in 2013 um, from the University of Maryland. I then went on to um, George Washington University, um, their School of Public Health, and got my master's degree in public health. So public health, health and wellness, holistic health, it really is my life. Um, but speaking of grad school, <laughs> in grad school, I was in grad school full time. Um, I was working full time and I had a very hard commute. I was just under a lot of stress. And um, being honest and a little transparent, I had a pretty um, traumatic upbringing. You know, I wasn't conscious of it at the time, um, but looking back and doing the work I've done, um, you know, I've, I had a, some things that I hadn't addressed. So I was just carrying a lot of stress. And you may hear a lot of practitioners say that, you know, if you don't take time and slow down and heal your body, tend to your body, nurture your body, that it's going to stop for you. Right. And I feel like in grad school, that's kind of what happened to me. Um, you know, okay. I was, I guess, living in this high stress, you know, lifestyle environment for so long. And I was just kind of living on auto, autopilot, yeah. you know, trying to get through high school, then trying to get through college and trying to get through grad school. And in grad school, it was just so much stress that, you know, I started experiencing, you know, some emotional dysregulation. Right. And it was beginning to um, interfere with my day-to-day -day activities. Okay. You know, okay. at work, I found myself kind of, you know, running to the bathroom, you know, having to get myself together. Or some days I found myself, you know, just so fatigued. I didn't want to get out of bed. And um, so I went the traditional Western route of mm -hmm. therapy. And um, I had take, been in therapy before, um, my parents were divorced, so y'all had to do like a family therapy. Right. <laughs> so I was kind of familiar. I was kind of familiar with therapy, so it wasn't. I wasn't as apprehensive to it. Right. And um, I did the. Um, and then of course comes with that is the medication route, and 
I'm an advocate for therapy. Um, I still go to therapy. I think it's great for self-discovery, just for understanding um, what's going on with you mentally, spiritually, and physically. Um, but with the medication, I didn't find as much success. Um, it definitely helped me keep my emotions at bay and get through the day. But what I was looking for was to actually feel better, right. um, to actually, you know, I was, you know, looking to wake up and um, be joyful, be motivated about the day and to actually like understand what was going on with me anyway, because right. this was new to me. Right. And then so I, that's when I started looking into alternative uh, modalities of healing and alternative modalities of treatment to kind of, I guess, Unconsciously at the moment, I was trying to get to the root of the issue. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And that's when I I came across, um, during my research, I came across, you know, some um, readings on emotions and energy. And then I came across um, the chakra system. And I was reading about how, you know, a lot of people get Reiki therapy to balance and heal your chakra system. Okay. And that really resonated with me. Um, and long story short, I booked an appointment and I had almost immediate results. Right. It was <laughs> it was something I've never experienced. So wow. after that, after about one or two appointments, I was like, oh, this is something I need to learn for myself so right. I can wake up day to day and treat myself and, you know, kind of get my day going, um, you know, on my own. Yeah. So that's my personal experience with Reiki is something that actually really did heal me. Um, it healed me on so many levels and I still engage in it on a personal level every morning. It keeps me balanced. It keeps me clear headed, stress free. Um, so on a professional level, um, about a year and a half after I started my um, Reiki training, because I, I wasn't able to train under the lady that I was getting service from, okay. um, but I found an institution in Rockville and I began training with him. And it took me about a year and a half to finish to become a fully initiated Reiki master teacher. Okay. And so since then, um, I've done Reiki at workshops in Laurel. I've been at health fairs. Um, before I had my beautiful daughter, um, I did some work with Advanced Integrative Health Group in um, Gambrels, Maryland. And um, I try to integrate it, or at least the principles, as much as I can also in my, you know, nine to five day to day work as a prevention and wellness educator. I feel like um, society is becoming much more open to things like meditation and yoga and breath work and holistic therapies. So um, it's really been, I've really been having success there. Um, but now I am here at the Eudaimonia <laughs> Wellness Center um, with Dr. White and on this podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. I love to hear like the natural progression of things and what brought you, you know, here from there. So let's get started. In certain areas and in populations, Reiki continues to be enveloped by this shroud of mystique, misconceptions, and flat-out myths, some of which are wildly absurd. I mean, wildly. So before we start off, let's dispel some of those myths so we can get to the good stuff. So the first myth, Reiki is a cult or religion. How do you respond to this statement? I respond to this statement by saying that Reiki is not a cult. (laughs) It is not a religion. Um, Reiki is not even affiliated with any spiritual practice. Um, You don't even have to believe in a God um, to receive Reiki or to um, learn Reiki or give Reiki. 
Um, I think that conception may come because there is a spiritual component of Reiki. It heals the mental, the physical, um, the spiritual. And Reiki is something that can be, you know, there is a Reiki community. So I guess from the outside looking in, you know, people can draw certain their own conclusions, but um, no, Reiki's not affiliated with any religion, um, spiritual practice, or or anything like that. No. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that again. This, <laughs> I want to get all of this kind of stuff out the way so people can act, you know, receive the good stuff. So yeah, another misconception. So. Yeah, <laughs> another misconception I often hear is that Reiki is this complicated new age stuff. Talk to us about the origins of Reiki as a system of healing. Okay. All right. So this is um, there. I want to start off by saying um, that there is a Reiki community that exists within the new age community, but Reiki is not a new age concept. Um, Reiki is actually something that was rediscovered um, by a Japanese teacher and his name was Dr. Um, Asui. We call him Sensei Asui. However, the act of healing hands, um, laying hands, healing with the hands has been around since the beginning of time. And this is actually how Reiki became um, rediscovered in the early 1900s. Uh, Sensei Asui, he was a teacher. And one of his students had asked at a religious school and one of his students had asked him, well, uh, well, how about the greats? What about people like um, like Buddha and Jesus and, you know, who are able to heal with their hands? You know, how, you know, how does that work? And Sensei Asui, he did not have an answer. Um, and so being a person of like science and background and education, he researched and researched and researched and tried to find the answer. And after some years, he came up with nothing. He didn't understand it. So there was a mountain called, um, it's actually like a monastery that a lot of Japanese monks went to. Um, they would go for like vision quests or they would go to fast and pray mm-hmm. um, as many people in religious or spiritual practices do when they're looking for some kind of answers that they can't find themselves. And that's what Sensei Asui did. And so he retreated to the mountain for 21 days. And he told his students, if I don't come back in 21 days, someone come look for my bones because I'm obviously dead. Right, <laughs> right, right. Going to, just to fast and pray. Right. And, um, you know, he gave um, he was up there for 21 days and, you know, he began to grow weak. And um, on the 21st day, he said, you know, I'm going to go back to the mountain. I mean, go back down to town. Obviously, there's no answer for me here. Um, but as he was sitting and thinking those thoughts, um, he looked to the east and he began to like see like glowing lights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had a vision and there were these symbols um, in, in, in these balls of light that he began to see. And um, he wrote down the symbols and then he said he kind of passed out and went to sleep and woke up. Um, and so then when he woke up, to go back down to the mountain. He thought he was having a dream or a hallucination. Okay. <laughs> he went okay. back down, went, he went back down to the um the town and he tripped over a rock and he cut his foot mm. or whatnot. And so he, you know, kind of doubled over in pain and put his hands on his foot and his cut began to heal. Wow. Or whatnot. And he and that's the story of how he rediscovered Reiki. And so when he got back to town, he began to write about his vision um, that he had and that kind of he was um, what he was writing down 
was how Reiki worked and what he had experienced up on the mountaintop. And he basically, he brought this knowledge back down to town as a physical healing modality. So Sensei Asui had Reiki clinics where people who were physically ill would come and he would be able to heal them. And then after a while, you know, kind of like my story, they would want to become students Mm -hmm. and then he would have students. And that's how, you know, the Reiki lineage and the Reiki practice begin to get started. Because back then a lot of people, it's, I can't remember what was going on, if it was a war, but a lot of people didn't have access to good health care. Right. Um, so it was at a point where Sensei Asui had lines of people lined up to, you know, get this healing right. um, that he had acquired at the top of Mount Karuma. Oh, wow. See, again, a system <laughs> of healing. There is a story. There's a history. And I think, I mean, with all the traditional healing methods, there is that lineage. There is that initial um, background that so many people don't even know or take into account. Um, they just see this kind of outward because it doesn't parallel. It doesn't look like conventional medicine. It doesn't look like it the medicine on a, you know, that we see on a day-to-day basis that is the real and the true. But there's so many other healing modalities that have been going on that actually work for to heal versus just to chase symptoms. And I think that's um, very important and a myth and misconception to correct so that we can um, be able to digest the good stuff. So let's start. Oh, yes, what are the, oh, go, ahead. So, go ahead. I was just going to say that I'm just so happy that now, um, just since in the little time since I've started Reiki until now, there's just been so much research on, um, I guess, energy and energy wellness. Right. And I think that's what kind of causes the myths and misconceptions about Reiki, because it's something that people can't really see with their physical eyes. You know, we're in the West, we're so we have to be backed by science here, um, but energy, uh, but that research on that subtle energy field, that bioenergetic field that we all have is coming out now and it's proven right. true. So you can find schools of integrative health that offer Reiki um, at University of Maryland and George uh-huh. Washington University and Laurel School of Integrated Health, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think now um, a lot of that can be cleared up. You know, I think that's what kind of makes people say, well, what is that? You know, I don't see anything or how is this working? Um, But with the new information about the aura and energy and how the mind, body and spirit are all connected and how staying in balance, you know, really improves your wellness. It it brings a lot more, um, I think, confidence to the to the practice. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, acupuncture works the same way. I mean, definitely working with chi. Thai yoga body work, again, body work in general. I mean, we're all working on the same body. The bodies aren't different from, you know, we are all working on that same body. And there's still, again, different traditions that are utilizing and using the energy in the body to for healing purposes and when you said you know we can't see it so you know that we can't grasp it you don't see oxygen either but you know it's real let someone try to take that away from you so (laughs) so that doesn't hold water either so again just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there so what are the potential health benefits of reiki talk to us about that um so there are I like, there are just so many, the, the, the potential health benefits are for Reiki are infinite. And I get so excited when I talk about it, because like, as we said, Reiki works with your energy Um, and the Japanese practice in Reiki, we call it key. And really what it does is it balances your energy levels out. So your body is in a state, back in a state of homeostasis, like it puts your immune system back in balance. So whatever was out of balance 
is going to get healed. Right. But with that being said, um, some of the main the main thing that Reiki does, or I feel that makes it so wonderful, beneficial, is that it reduces stress levels and it reduces tension levels, and that automatically, you know, puts your body back in that homeostasis, like parasympathetic um, response to where you can actually relax, where you can actually heal right. and your cells can um, rejuvenate the way they're supposed to. Um, in addition to that, we have, um, of course, reduced um, bodily tension, acute pain. It can help with that. Um, as far as your emotions, if you suffer from um, mood disorders, I've feel like Reiki even personally um, and from clientele is a great complementary therapy um, therapy to actual talk therapy okay um, because it can help regulate those symptoms from those mood disorders such as um, anxiety depression maybe PTSD um, and even major depression you know if you're suffering from you know bad mood um, insomnia, um, having a bit of anxiety, depressive mood, Reiki can regenerate that energy to where your mood is a little bit more uplifted or your body can relax enough for you to go to sleep or you can treat your headspace to where your thoughts aren't racing and it kind of slows that down for you. Again, it puts you back in that parasympathetic um, response. Okay. Um, as far as... Um, Additionally, I also think Reiki can help on, I would guess, a soul or a spiritual level. Okay. I feel like a lot of people who um, don't have a sense of uh, purpose or don't have a sense of understanding about their why here mm. on Earth, um, Reiki has a component to it where you're just really aware of your body and you really get in tune with your thoughts and who you are as a person. So for me, um, honestly, and for many others, it has kind of increased um, our connection to ourselves and connection to those around us. So it brings that sense of purpose and it can bring that sense of community as well. Um, so those are some of the main benefits of Reiki that I find that most people tend to gravitate towards. Okay, excellent. Earlier, you mentioned energy healing, which is the same energy involved in practices like Tai Chi, Qigong, and even modalities like acupuncture. Talk with us about this aspect of energy work. All right. So um, as far as energy work, um, of course, we work with energy. And in Reiki, we call it um, Ki, K-I. And to get a basic understanding of, of this is that um, every living thing, um, whether it's living, animate or inanimate, it has a flow of energy mm -hmm. in it. Um, we have something that we call as divine life force, life force energy, and it really is the breath of the universe. If you put a um, stone under a microscope, you're going to see it vibrating, little particles vibrating and moving around. And that's what you call the energy, mm -hmm. the energy of it. And so that your energy connects to your vibration and the holistic health world or the spiritual world, um, where your vibration is, is indicate indicative of your health. So for example, if your energy levels are strong and they're free flowing and, you know, what they call vibe, you're vibrating high, <laughs> what they call, you know, you don't really have any blockages. Um, you know, you feel good when you wake up in the morning, that's indicative of a good quality of life of, of healthiness. On the other hand, you know, if your energy levels, your key levels, if they're in excess or if there are, or if it's not enough, or if you have blockages or maybe it's not circulating through your body, you can start to, um, develop 
symptoms of dis-ease or dis-ease, and that can just look like feeling tired all the time, feeling unbalanced, um, having aches and pains, and, you know, hopefully not, but a progression to a more serious um, disease or chronic condition. So uh, modalities such as acupuncture, um, yoga, tai chi, um, meditation, reiki, really works um, with this subtle energy to kind of catch imbalances and catch um, indicators of disease. So when you treat that, it doesn't manifest in the physical body or we or if it has already manifested, um, we can manipulate that energy or treat that energy um, to heal it or begin the healing process. I love it. That's, that was, that was so smooth. I love that. So in terms of your niche, what do you enjoy treating and what conditions, um, and conditions for which clientele come to see you most, which ones, and what is Reiki healing good for? And what are the salient benefits? Um, I, as far as my niche and the type of, um, clientele I attract, I'm definitely a, more of an emotional um, healer, I guess you would say. Some mm-hmm. people would even knock it to the spiritual side, emotional, spiritual healer. Right. I attract a lot of clients who have dealt with knowingly or unknowingly, um, you know, past trauma and who may be experiencing, you know, depression or symptoms of anxiety or symptoms of PTSD. You know, they are kind of having trouble making it through the day emotionally or mentally. Um, I do treat, I also have treated physical ailments, um, you know, such as acute pain or um, if someone is having issues, um, certain issues that they really don't know where they're coming from. I had one lady who was having issues sleeping and um, we did some work like around her lung area. And it turns out that, you know, she had some sleep apnea issues going on and she had to go get treated for that. So sometimes people just come and they feel unbalanced. And um, during the session, we can kind of pinpoint what's going on and can continue to treat from there. But I do mostly do a lot of um, emotional, emotional mental work. (laughs) Okay. I love that as well, because again, we usually think of the only type to time that we can address emotional issues or um, mental health issues are going to a therapist. And I believe right. there's so many different ways and talk therapy is definitely one of them and it's definitely valuable for many people, but there's some where trauma is so deep and so ingrained that even talking about it is not a possibility and being able to get right. that energy moving without necessarily assigning words to it because sometimes words aren't even able to be assigned because they haven't even developed yet. Um, I think it's very good to get that energy moving so that those, you know, those words can be assigned and it can be put into words and then there can be a conversation. And I think there are again, levels to all of this. And it's important that we make sure we reach people where they are and how they can interface with us to again, receive the healing that they're wanting, needing and desiring. Yes, because um, just adding to that, um, a lot of people don't know that emotions and deep emotional trauma, like you said, it the energy of it, it does get stuck and stored in the body. And that can manifest into physical disease. That is a very real thing, especially in traditional Chinese um, medicine and Eastern medicine. So, for example, um, and this is this has happened before, you could have a, a patient who has who's having trouble conceiving. 
And, you know, they just had have had in the past a lot of trauma to their womb space and there's energetic blockages there. So after treatment, whether it be, you know, Reiki or acupuncture or um, some other modality of energy, we're clearing up those um those meridians of energy, those spaces of energy, getting it moving. Um, sometimes that clears that blockage for that implantation to be able to happen for the the woman to conceive. So it's really all connected yes. <laughs> in a way. And I think that's what's so, so beautiful about it. You know, um, my sister had issues with her liver and they could not find you know, what was wrong with her. They did x-rays and things like that. And she started to have spots and she went to a holistic um, medicine doctor and it turned out she was holding on to a lot of anger Mm -hmm. and it started Mm -hmm. to energetically impact her physical liver. And so she went on an herbal regimen and did some um, herbal healing and energy healing. Problem solved. So (laughs) yeah. Emotions are a cause of disease. And again, conventional medicine is not going to even like touch that. Like they're not even anywhere remotely going to talk about emotions and unresolved emotions and deficient or excessive emotions as a cause of disease. And yet, yet, even though they won't want to talk about it, they definitely want to medicate it. So they'll definitely throw a pill at it. They'll definitely want to throw a surgical intervention around it. They'll definitely throw those things around it, but yet they're still not acknowledging that there's something else that's going on that doesn't necessarily have a physical basis, but has an emotional one. So thank you for addressing that and clearing that up. So what are the five principles of Reiki and how do you, again, how do you employ them in practice? Uh, So the five, (laughs) the five principles of Reiki, I laugh because uh, some of these I really, I really struggled with in the beginning. Um, And just in life, I think that there are such simple short principles, but when you take them day by day, they really just help keep you balanced and help you keep help keep you in a positive state of mind in a higher vibration. Right. And um, our five principles, um, they're spoken differently and written differently, but generally mm-hmm. I, I go the short version is um, just for today. You say it every morning, just for today. I will not worry. I will not anger. I will be kind. I will be grateful and I will work hard. And just going down each one of those, it sounds so simple, but if you wake up and go about your day, you'll find that you'll get frustrated over the little things or that you'll find that you may be doing something, but in the back of your head, you know, you're worrying. And while you're worrying, you're not even paying or while you're frustrated, you're not even paying attention to all the things around you that you have to be grateful for. Yes. You know, instead of being angry in the morning, you know, because you spilled your coffee, um, you could just be kind and, you know, lashing out on people. You could just be kind and be grateful for the fact that you woke up in the morning surrounded by people that you love. Or that you you had coffee to make. And that you had coffee to make. Right. (laughs) And um, and working hard, you know, that's some people in, in the wellness community and the holistic community it can get a little woo-woo to the point where, oh, we can just manifest this and manifest that. And mm-hmm. no, you still have to work hard. <laughs> yes. You have to put in the work right. <laughs> to manifest your dreams and things like that and to get to where you want to go in life. So those principles, they're so simple. But when you break them down and really sit and meditate on them throughout the day, they're very um, and extremely powerful just to bring you back down to, um, you know, just to ground you, yeah. I feel like, and help you realize, t- 
tether you to what's really important. Right. That's a, that's true. And I and I think those are very salient. Like you said, they're simple, they're easy. And if you could just you know repeat them one once again and slower so that um, people can hear them, because I think there is power in words and just like there's power in affirmations and visualizations which we can overlook those are not it's not just a placebo they work and this it doesn't mean you're taking a pill you're not taking an injection of anything it's not a supplement you're not ingesting anything but words are powerful especially when they're coupled with intention so if you could um, repeat those five (laughs) principles again so we can like take them in and again find some I guess maybe a derivative of our own that we can again incorporate into our days. Could you repeat them, please? Yeah. So just for today, do not anger. Do not worry. Be kind. Be grateful. And work hard. I love that. And I've even heard, you know, different variations like just for today, I will let go of anger. I will let go of worry. I will honor my parents, my teachers, and elders. I will do my work honestly, and I will show gratitude toward every living thing. And I think at the end of the day, like those, it's just, it's almost like a melody and it sounds, it sounds affirming. And those are the types of affirmations that when you start your day with that, you can not fail, like period. You cannot <laughs> fail. You, you're literally setting your intentions for the day. Yes. Like you're, you're programming your mind of in the energy around you of how your day is going to go, where you're going to focus your energy. Cause we all know the little saying where energy, where your attention goes, energy flows. Right. So I just feel like you wake up, you set this intention and you have programmed it. How could you have a bad day? Yeah. <laughs> And and that means even if bad things come your way, you just respond to them differently. It's a response right. versus a reaction. It doesn't exactly. mean like you're exactly. never going to have nothing ever is going to bad to you because you said your affirmations today. But it means that, oh, I'm going to be able to respond to it differently because I'm in a different space. I'm in a different on a different plane. And while these things enter, they don't necessarily penetrate. And that's that's a force that's field. So that's protection. That that's uh I, again, it is <laughs> again. It's very powerful. I so many of our clientele, like you know, think breathing es- exercises and breath work and affirmations and visualizations is all that woo woo stuff. But my thing it's is, really no, it's not. Enough. I was like, it's so it's real, especially when you put it into yes, subconscious, yes, <laughs> and that is so powerful. And that gets to the DNA level, like really, not just reprogramming your mind and renewing your mind. But just like renewing your purpose, renewing your sense of being on a day-to-day yeah. basis. Um, and renewing again, your spirit. Yes, renewing your spirit. And again, that is so, to me, that is one of the, I guess, the cornerstones of healing. Not just chasing symptoms, not just, but really re renewing your being at the physical, the, um, the mental, the spiritual levels so that you can re-enter the world in a, in a way that you didn't the day before, the minute before, the moment before. Um, Dr. White, that's so powerful. <laughs> and I, like, I'm over here like, ah! <laughs> because I, I just completely agree. Like that really is what healing is about. It's just like, it's not about just chasing away the symptoms and always having to, you know, run to something to not feel or yes. whatnot. If you have the chance to 
completely transform from the inside out and come out this new being that has this different, you know, resilience and these different set of skills and this mm-hmm. different mindset, you know, to, to master your walk in life, then why not? Why like, not? why wouldn't you want to indulge yourself in that? You know, and it's free. <laughs> and it like literally is free. Absolutely. Affirmations are free. Natural healing. You're going to be breathing. You're going to be breathing air anyway. So why not just put some intention behind it? Like really? Exactly. Visualization. Just close your eyes. Yes. <laughs> you can do this all the time and you are, it, it's, it is transformative. And it's, it's almost so simple that it's, it's unreal. I mean, I'm saying unreal and like people don't believe it because it can't just be that simple or it can't just be that easy. But like you said, is that it's no like giveaway. You still have to be consistent. This is still work. You've got to put some energy behind it in order for it to work. It's not just some cast off thing that you can do you know once on monday and then don't come back to it again for another two months and then think that oh i'm just going to do this i'll do you know a couple breathing exercises then uh, six months later you throw no that's not consistency that's not transformative either and i think being able to tap into like some of the basics is like literally the foundational work that we can do right now, wherever you're sitting for free. It doesn't require anything else, but we overlook it because it's almost too easy. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox. So um, often I'm asked. <laughs> you're going to put me on mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Back to you. Um, <laughs> often I'm asked if Reiki is a form of massage and Help our listeners distinguish the, some of the key differences between massage therapy and Reiki therapy. I think that's funny um, because I had a, I did a, um, a session for a client some years ago and he kind of like drifted off during his session. And when he woke up, <laughs> he was like, wow, I feel like I just got a spiritual massage. <laughs> But there are um, key distinctions between um, hands-on massage and Reiki. And one of the main ones is that in Reiki, um, we usually do not touch the client. Um, Our hands are lightly hovering over the client's body. If we do feel the need to touch the client's body, um, we do ask permission. And it's just a light a light touch, you know, there's no pressure. We're not moving the body or touching the skin or anything like that. Um, Also during a session, in Reiki, you do lay down on a massage top, massage table, but you're fully fully clothed. Okay. Um, I know a massage. You may have to take off your shirt or disrobe, um, but there's no skin to skin um, contact. I feel like massage is a modality that works on moving the energy in your body um, physically through mm-hmm. physical touch. You know, by like pressing the skin and the pressure. Right. Um, but with Reiki, um, the practitioners who are trained and initiated. Um, can connect to your energy, um, the energy field and the key energy without necessarily touching the body. Um, so I think those are two key. Um, those are some distinct differences between um, massage therapy and um, Reiki. And um, I'm not sure, but I believe that massage is more used to treat like physical um like physical pain and physical tension as whereas Reiki is kind of, you know, multifaceted. It can be used to treat, um, you know, physical ailments, um, mental ailments, emotional ailments, or spiritual ailments as well. 
Okay. Thank you so much. I, again, those are key distinctions that I think a lot of people take for granted that one is the same, one is better than the other, other, but again, they both serve a purpose. And again, it depends on what you're looking for and what you desire in your healing experience. Yes. For those of our, of, of our listeners who are curious and have yet to have a Reiki session, please describe for us what happens during a typical session and what can be expected. Okay, I can do that for you. I will start off by saying um, that a Reiki session can differ um, by a little or a lot based on the practitioner. Um, Reiki is a practice that is, um, you know, it's highly practitioner and user dependent. Mm -hmm. I've I've noticed. Okay. Um, so as far as a Reiki session with me, <laughs> with Ma, the way it goes is, um, you know, you would come, you would schedule an appointment, of course, and you would come into the room and during the first session or each session, depending, um, we would talk about the goals, um, what you want to achieve with this um, Reiki session so we can set our intentions. Um, after that conversation is had and, um, you're clear about the practice and I'm clear and we feel forward, um, feel free to move forward. Um, I will walk you to the bed. It's a massage table and you would lay down on your back, fully clothed. And really you would just relax. Um, I would ask you to get into a state of relaxation by doing some deep breathing. And what I would do is start um, the session at the top of your head by hovering my hands. And then I would, you know, work my way all the way down to your feet. And of course, as I'm working and going, I would explain to you, some people like to wait for a debrief after. Some people like to be talked to during the session, whichever one for you works best. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, I would explain to you what I'm picking up and what I'm doing. Or some people like to just simply deep breathe relax and they end up falling asleep. A lot of people do come to a Reiki session to lay down, relax and wake up refreshed. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so that's the basics of it. However, sometimes it can differ depending on the client. Sometimes I bring in other tools and modality of healing, modalities of healing into my Reiki session. Um, sometimes I'll use crystals. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes maybe I'll use um, sound healing. Um, sometimes they may have you lay your hands on a part of your body with me and we may do some breathing into that area. Okay. Um, so, if, you know, I feel the need for that to be done. You know, if, if the client is awake, you know, and right. in a conscious state, um, right. then that would happen if they feel comfortable. Yes. Wonderful. I'm often asked, especially in terms of acupuncture, how many sessions does it take for this to work? So how do you respond to this inquiry about the Reiki healing process? Um, again, uh, like I say, um, Reiki can really, uh, differ depending on the client or mm -hmm. the, um, practitioner, but generally I would say about three sessions, mm -hmm. um, three sessions would be a good way to know if this is a practice for you. Um, if it's effective for you and if it's something that you would like to continue doing, because depending on your level of, um, energetic imbalance that's going on, you could feel differently after one session. For me, I had one session and I was skipping out of the door. <laughs> it was great for me. Yes. But for others, you know, they have one session, but they have so much, so many things that have been buried for so long that after that first session, they might not feel so good. Mm -hmm. And they're going through an energetic purge, right. you know, before anything is released from the body, it has to come up first. So they may feel like, you know, tired for the next few days, or they may, you know, 
um, feel a little sad. Mm -hmm. And that's because those emotions have been brought up out of the energetic field. And, you know, you may need another session to keep balancing that out to keep right. to get to the full balance that you need and keep it moving. Um, but I would say and keep it moving. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So it really is like, like you said, a system <laughs> yeah. and a, of healing. Um, but three sessions, I would say is a good number. It's a good start. Okay. So you mentioned this before, but talk to us about um, distance Reiki and how is aromatherapy, essential oils and crystals, like you mentioned, involved in this aspect of Reiki healing? Okay. So as far as distance healing, um, those who are I can't remember the level, please forgive me, but those are who trained and initiated into, um, I believe it's the second level um, of Reiki. We do learn how to distance heal. So we learn how to um, connect um, with the key energy and the client's energy without the client necessarily being present in the room. Um, but of course, we always do this with the client's permission. Okay. Um, you don't want to be working on a client energetically and they don't have any idea what's going. That's very unethical yeah. um, and it's very invasive. Right. Um, so <laughs> we don't engage in that. But I find that it does make it easier for people who want to work with um, who want to work with you. And maybe they're across seas and they can't get to you. And it's just as effective as an in-person Reiki session. OK. Um, as usually. um I feel like I use crystals more in distance than I do in person, but I do use them for both. And crystals for me, they're an amplifier of energy. Um, so if there is, I call them my sisters. If I feel like I can't, um, like my energy is maybe not strong enough to move the energy or break past the blockage, I would bring in a crystal to maybe um, amplify the key energy. So that energy gets a little bit broken up so we can get it moving and circulating throughout the body. Um, if there's an energy center in the body or a meridian, that's a little bit deficient. Um, let's use an easy example, the heart chakra. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's some, um, you know, deficiency there and I feel I want to work on other areas of the body, you know, I may take a rose quartz and place it on the heart center for a second. So, you know, that energy center, we can absorb that energy while I'm still working on other places. So that's how I in, um, incorporate crystal healing into my session. So if you are laying down on my table and you feel little things on your bodies, they're probably crystals. Okay. <laughs> little crystals. Excellent. <laughs> um, aromatherapy. As far as aromatherapy, um, depending on what the client is coming in for, certain oils, of course, um, are known to induce certain chemicals in the body to induce certain moods. Mm. Um, so like lemons, centrus, they are mood lifters, mood, mood elevators. So if I had a client that was coming in, um, you know, who was suffering from depressed mood and who wanted to feel better, um, one of the spirits lifted, I would probably put in my diffuser some essential oils that are lemon and citrus. And if I had a client that was dealing with stress, you know, I would probably use lavender. Mm -hmm. If I had a client that was in their head a lot and needed some grounding, I would probably use like um, frankincense and myrrh or copal or something okay. like that. So also the aromatherapy also aids to, you know, kind of changing and transforming the energy in the room so that the client can heal in the best way possible. Excellent. Thank you so much. So are there any additional resources you suggest for listeners who are interested in exploring Reiki as a healing modality? Um, of course, um, the Eudaimonia Center <laughs> and website. Um, I did do a quick piece on um, just a general overview of Reiki and how it works for anyone who is um, interested or curious. Also, uh, there's a book I like, but 
it may be more a little advanced and it may be more for people who are looking um, to practice Reiki and it's called essential Reiki. And it really gives you a full overview and background from even before Reiki was called Reiki, like, you know, like the healing hands back from the beginning of time. It gives you the whole spectrum of the practice outside of, you know, the Japanese, um, tradition. Okay. Um, so if anybody like had any questions, you know, how we talked about earlier about like the mysticism and the myths around it, that's an excellent book to dispel, um, a lot of those questions and it's called essential Reiki and you can find it on Amazon. Okay. And also the, um, it is a website called the International Association for Reiki Practitioners. Okay. If there's any question that you ever have about Reiki, there's blogs or a Q&A on that website um, that would lead you to whatever um, inquiry that you were looking for. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> a great resource. Wonderful. Um, as we close out, any parting words of wisdom? Um, just for everyone, just to take charge of their... Um, of their healing and their self-care journey, especially women, um, especially women of color. I feel like unknowingly we automatically kind of live at a higher stress rates um, than other groups in the country. And sometimes we are not aware of the lot of, a lot of things that are going on in our bodies. We're not aware that we're stressed. Um, we're not aware that we're angry. We're not aware that we're carrying trauma. And so just to, you know, become one with oneself and heal oneself and and sit and spend time with yourself just to make sure you're living, you know, a well-balanced and happy and holistic life that you just, that you deserve and whatever healing modality that you choose, um, don't be ashamed of it. If Yoni steams calls out to you or Reiki or, you know, bathing in the river, whatever you need to feed your soul and to heal your soul. I say, go for it. Because at the end of the day, you know, as a woman, we have so many roles um, Mm -hmm. that we have in life and it's important for us to keep our own cup filled. Yes. That's it. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we look forward to working with you and working together. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks for joining Women's Health, Wisdom and Wine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, remember to follow us, review us, and give us five stars. Till we meet again, remember, nourish your flourish.